Peace and blessings. The Black Coffee Podcast. The Black Coffee Podcast. The Black Coffee Podcast. Yeah. The Black Coffee Podcast. Ah. Ooh, ooh, that's so cool. Ooh, ooh, that's so cool. So cool you did this one, man. Yeah. Black Coffee. Black Coffee. Huh. Sex. Oh, power to the people. The people. My fist, twice the ball of what they call him, James Allen, Mr. No Resist. Elevate the masses, step in my objective, no, no quit. Through the pot, let's take a sip, they taking shots, we taking trips. Pilot vision, you and I, a mission, just to be specific. Got enough soul to not fly spirit, got enough soul to keep y'all lifted. Follow my role and keep it spiritual, this be the ritual. Black my coffee, hold the cream, might check one, two, eight, here we go. This is that windows down low, turn me up. It don't matter what we talking, just as long as it's black coffee, yeah. This is that windows down low, turn me up. It don't matter what we talking, just as long as it's black coffee, uh. This be that black coffee podcast, black coffee podcast, black coffee. Hey, hold the cream. This be that black coffee podcast, black coffee podcast, black coffee. Hey, hold the cream, yeah. You and I a world. Welcome to the Black Coffee Podcast. I am your host, James Allen. James Allen. The Black Coffee Podcast. Your safe haven for education and spiritual liberation. Hashtag power to the people. And long live the ancestors. Hey, hold the cream. Hey, hold the cream. Today's episode is brought to you by Goat Behavior Pearl. For those that create their own path to define their own greatness. Move different, behave different. So get your behavior right with Goat Behavior Pearl. And that's at GoatBehaviorPearl.com. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Black Coffee Podcast. Uh, took a little break. Now we are refreshed. We have our fall episodes lined up and we are ready to get going for the year. I would like to also introduce our new intern, new own, so cool. Her name is Indy. Good. Her name is Andrea Gooding, and she's going to be helping us at UNI World. She's going to be a media correspondent. She's also my executive assistant. She's everything. She's just a beautiful young lady. She graduated from Alabama State University, and she's ready to get it going. So I just want to give her a nice, warm welcome. If you could just go ahead and give her a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. And so cool. Give her a round of applause for our new. Uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Indy. There you go, Indy. I know you're watching. You're going to see this. I would like to also remind everyone to make sure you visit UNIAWorldMedia.com for all the latest on what we have going on here at UNIA World. I do a lot in the media world, and like I said, we're getting ready to get India going. She's going to be out there in the Atlanta streets and everywhere else, too. She'll be in Charlotte doing a lot of things for I Love Africa, so it's really going to be a great thing, and I'm excited the way UNIA World is expanding. So cool. I'm excited about the expansion of, of where we're going. Um, so, yeah, just, so just make sure you uh, tune in and uh, look at UNI, or like I said, visit, excuse me, UNIWorldMedia.com for all the latest. And with that being said, so cool. Good day, sir. Let's work. Episode 26, Black Trauma. Now, I've been in, and this one has been in the making for a long time. And in the making of this episode, I was reflecting on some of my family members who was exposing inner secrets and their trauma via social media. Now, although their reasonings was valid, I'm certainly not, and I'm certainly not the one to tell someone how to feel. 
but I just didn't like it. But then I had a moment with myself and I thought, how can I tell someone how to express their trauma? And furthermore, you have some trauma you're dealing with yourself. (laughs) So I had to realize that as well. So as as an 80s baby, I have witnessed, let's just say, a lot of things. So cool. A lot of things in my lifetime. And I'm not omitted as a culprit from those conversations. I'm pretty sure some things I've done has created some trauma within my kids' life and my parents' life as well. Uh, But I'm the one that always keep everything inside. And everyone is not like that. Now, I feel like I have healed, or we'll see by the end of this podcast, end of this episode, rather. So how do we heal from trauma of all kinds? And that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Black Coffee Podcast. And we're going to break this down into three parts, as always, so cool. Intergenerational trauma, racial trauma, and healing from trauma. Now, I'm going to start with intergenerational trauma because... We cannot omit the fact that a lot of trauma that we have built up, and when I say we, I mean as a people, have built up in us is from family members first. A lot of other things, too. We we can scream on other things as teachers and other people who have said things, done things to you. We're going to get into all of that. But really, the the intergenerational trauma is where I want to start this podcast with. Now, a traumatic experience is an event in life that causes a threat to our safety or potentially places our own life or the lives of others at risk. Now, it took me a while to understand that I have had some traumatic situations going on within my own life. And um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of what shaped me. Uh, I said this in a lot of my uh, other episodes that, you know, I wasn't the best parent. I'm still working on a lot of things, but I wasn't the best parent that my oldest son could have seen maybe later on in his life. So I know he's expressed a lot of traumatic experiences that he went through over me as a father. But maybe my younger kids, maybe they do have some as well, but maybe not as just as much as my oldest. Okay, because then we're going to talk about some things that I went through as a young boy that may have shaped my um, parenthood early on being, and becoming a parent at an early age, too. Let's talk about that. I was 17 years old. And a lot of us, a lot of us, when you talk about that age range in the 80s babies, we, we had babies within that, that age frame. So as a result, a person experiences high levels of emotional, psychological, and physical distress that temporarily, I want to highlight that word temporarily, that temporarily disrupts their ability to function on a normal day-to-day life. Trauma, trauma providers experience normalized stress. OK, it's just we it just we, it just normalize stress and you, you you be accustomed to being stressed as it become the norm. And I, it took me a while to understand that, you know, sometimes we need some help. <laughs> you just need some help. And we just we and we just always just ball it up as it's just it's just stress. And as we normalize it. So we're going to talk about that as well. Now, research shows that uh, trauma experienced by parents can also impact the DNA and behavior of their offspring and generations to come. <sighs> so cool. It was I was about 17 years old, maybe a little younger, when I found out that my grandfather killed my grandmother on my father's side. After I understood that and I dove into that 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 story a little bit more it explained a lot about my father 
Now, I'm not here to say that, you know, I figured him out. But being when your father kills your mother, and I say maybe about five years later is actually when um, I came into the picture. So it wasn't that long. And so, you know, my father was not an emotional type of guy. Great provider. I love my father, of course. I carry on his name. But I just wish, of course, you know, we're going to talk about that too. Me growing up in the 80s, we're going to talk about that when it comes to parenthood. Uh, I was never allowed to ask certain questions. Um, I do want to dive into that, but I just always been very picky about that, about asking about that situation. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, dealing with your offsprings and dealing with some things that traumatic experiences that you went through. Yeah, we have to talk about those. We have to talk about now trauma can be passed on for future generations and how a parent interacts with their children and the behavior patterns, seeing their parents engaging in or even through genetics or DNA. So cool. I don't think parents really realize how some of their kids really hate them. And I say that as an 80s baby who has who's grown up in the generation of what we're going to talk about is uh, corporal punishment. We're going to talk about that in just a second here. But being that coming up in that area and being that I teach and I teach the adolescents at the adolescence level and they talk and they feel uh, more open to talk to me, of course, because I'm a social studies teacher. And they will tell you that, yeah, they're trying to raise me like how they was raised. And even though in some form of fashion, we have to admit or we have admitted that some of the things that we have came up in and everybody's parenthood or childhood was wrong. But we the, the pattern, the traumatic experience, the patterns, and it keeps going on. And some of these kids these days are scared of their parents. And I thought it was different because they didn't have to go through all the physical abuse. And we're going to talk about that. And I did a writing prompt about this. I do writing prompts about this. So cool. And I did a writing prompt about this. And and I, and the writing prompt was was about basically asking younger generations, what do they think older generations do not understand about younger generations? And you'll be surprised some answers that I got. But we have to understand that this generation of Internet, this generation of cell phones, this this, you know, is, is, is just different. Another, so, yeah, another one. I forgot. I almost forgot about that. Another one. So cool. I didn't realize that my now my grandmother um, on my mother's side, they migrated up to the north from South Carolina. And that's how, you know, came they came, they landed in New Jersey. And that's how, you know. My family came all about, but I didn't know growing up that, you know, my great grandmother passed away a little while ago, but I was able to meet her and, and um, see her um, for about a good 15 years of my life, probably a little older. I think I was about 17. And I didn't realize that she was really, really mean and it had a lot to do why with why my grandmother migrated north. And after I dug a little bit, talked to a little bit, you know, you talk to a couple family so cool members and, you know. There's always going to be a couple of them that's going to give you a little bit of the tea. As I peeled back some of the information that I was finding, it explained a lot of trauma, traumatic experiences, how, you know, my mother was raised and how her mother was raised. And it kind of showed a light on how my mother actually treats my sister as well. So actually, so research shows that that, you know. Uh, that that is a real big thing. Now, also research shows that mother's childhood experiences has a stronger adverse effect on a child's behavioral health and their, than their father's experience. 
And I believe that's true because, you know, it's just something about when that mother's going through something. And, um, you know, my mother always told me this uh, when, when I was younger. She said when I started to have kids, she said to me, when you start having kids, I want you to understand that that child, that whoever that mother is, they're going to know they're going to be around. They're going to know they're her part of that family really, really well. So don't take offense if, you know, it's okay if you don't come home for certain Thanksgivings. I understand, you know, and I really didn't understand that. But now as, as I peel back what she was saying, you know, the mother is everything. I, got, I also got another example. I, I one, one guy I know, he, his mother and his parents was going through a divorce. And then, you know, he chose to, you know, they asked him who he wanted to stay with. He chose to stay with his, his mother, I mean, excuse me, his father. And then after he saw his mother started crying, he changed his mind. <laughs> he said, no, um, I, you can't see your mother crying. So, of course, anything that happens to your mother, that has a strong effect on you. Now, I, I brought it up a little earlier, and we had to talk about it. It's corporal punishment. Of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, maybe the 80s and the 90s. And I, I can speak for this because I know firsthand so cool. And as I was talking to Indy about this, when I was bringing up the topic of my next podcast, she said to me, and I quote, I heard. Now, Indy, I think is Indy with a T. That's actually her name, her stage name. Not stage. I don't want to make sure she no dancing or like that. That's a media outlet name, Indy with the T. And when I talked to her, she said, I heard. And all, even though I already knew this, that let me know that that error was gone. For her to say I heard, which means her and her era, era never went through that corporal punishment. So cool. As a child, I was beat with everything under the sun. Okay. Anything my mother could find. And I'll say my mother because I, I rarely... In fact, I don't think my dad ever really beat me. Maybe one time. I think I tried it one time. We actually got into a little fist altercation. But... It wasn't a fist altercation, little whatever. It was not that that serious, that deep. But we was beat with everything, extension cords. And now that I look at it, and I I told my mother I, well, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, ma, if if uh, if if, if well, how y'all beat us when we was younger, you'll be in jail right now. She said, I know. And these were Christians, <laughs> Bible thumping Christians. <laughs> beating kids and it still has an effect on those children today and the reason why I say those children how I know that for a fact because I am one of those children that's that 80s baby aspect I was talking about okay even in schools so cool did, did you did you survive the the era where you got beaten in schools or, or was you did you y'all got beaten in schools you yeah you right there. <laughs> you in that era. I mean, you had to stick your head out with the ruler come in and you know what I mean? And don't, and don't you pull, pull back, boy. Ooh-wee. <laughs> he was going to get a little harder. But yeah, but, um, but actually the United Nations Committee of Rights of Child Issues, a, direct, um, a, a directive in 2006 calling physical punishment legalized violence against children and it should be eliminated in all settings through legislative uh, administrative social educational measures and the treaty established a committee that have been uh, that was supported by 192 countries with only the United States and Somalia failing to ratify well, of course by now they have ratified but yeah you just you can't do that but um and the reason why I'm talking about this is because, you know, the effect, the effectiveness of corporal punishment is very debatable. It's very debatable, okay? 
a lot of people, you'll find a lot of people say, well, that was good. People knew not not to do things they shouldn't have been doing, and we came out fine. The ones that supported, that's what they say. So cool. We came out fine with it. But a lot of people will say no because they still have trauma. They, why Why did it take that much? Now that you think about it, did it was did it, did it really that bad? Just because I got up in school, just because the teacher told you that I was talking, I was talkative, and now y'all understand what that is. Now y'all actually uh, accommodate to those measures when it comes to students, and now back then you was just getting beat out the frame for it. Hmm. People tell me all the time, so cool, that uh, I can tell you got beans when you was growing up. What do you mean? I can tell you can tell I got beans like well, you just I just some just something about me. Something, something I, I feel like I'm always wrong. That's an effect of trauma. That's a, that 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 that's an effect of trauma. You feel like you're always wrong. They they can tell, and and I think it's really funny because like that was really a part of the culture. And let's talk about something else when we talk about uh, that culture when it comes to putting hands. Like just putting hands that like, we got, have to talk about it. Just putting hands on your wife at the time was part of the culture. Talking to young girls. Older men talking to little girls was part of the culture. And a lot of people from that culture are really messed up in the head about it. And it's time to talk about it. And that's kind of what I was alluding to in the first segment. And, you know, how can I tell someone how to release their trauma when I don't understand the traumatic situations that they're in. Another thing I did, uh, so cool, I found out, we can go to break in a little while, but another thing I found out when I was doing research on this is that a lot of younger generation, especially women, feels like older generation women are jealous of them. And then I talked to someone, I'm going to leave her name anonymous, uh, but she said uh, she think it's true, while it's not true for her and her own daughter, but she feels that is true. And a lot of girls, and I'm speaking from women of my age, um, in your 40s, 80s, babies, on down to even children. Because like I said, I, 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 I'm qualified to talk about this because I've been teaching ever since I graduated from high school. Excuse me, college. I wasn't teaching that long. <laughs> from college. And I work with uh, seventh graders at the moment. And they will tell you, yeah, I just, I just, I just feel like they're jealous and they don't want me. And they mainly they be talking about maybe their aunts or, you know, maybe even their mother. And then you talk about even older generation women of, you know, I say older, but around my age, a little younger. Yeah, they just, they just, they really got an issue with their mother and women in their family. Now, I'm not here to, you know, pick sides or just pick on one, you know, you know, it, it, and it, there's a lot of traumatic things going on. I want to say this before we go to our next break. Anything that we're talking about today, any traumatic situation we're talking about that, if it does not affect you, I want you to eat the meat and spit out the bone. Whatever way it, it affects you or whatever way it connects with you, just let it connect that way. We may not talk about a traumatic experience that you have went through today. But you certainly may have went through a traumatic experience and whatever you're going through, just let this podcast be that outlet for that. Coming up, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about racial trauma and that how that affects our lives daily as black people. That and more. So keep it locked to the Black Coffee Podcast. And I'm your host, James Allen. James Allen. James Allen. Ooh, ooh, that's so cool. Ooh, ooh, that's so
The next segment is brought to you by Swagology Clothing. The Swagology brand is designed to inspire you to connect with your true self and inspire others to take care of their own mental health. So be your true self and swag out with us at Swagology Clothing. And that's at swagologyclothing.com. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Black Coffee Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, James Allen. James Allen. James Allen. All right. Racial trauma. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about racial trauma. We talked about intergenerational trauma coming from the family members in the first segment. We're going to talk about racial trauma and how that has an effect on us as black people as well. All right. Now, data shows that 60% of black Americans endorse at least one experience of racial discrimination in their lifetime. That's over half. That's 60%. Difficulty concentrating, feeling jumpy, or being easily angered is some of the effects of racial trauma. Now, uh, you know, there's always one thing in, in, in the black community, so cold, so cool, excuse me, that we must work twice as hard as the next person. You must work twice as hard. Yeah, we got to work more. And so, and as as a black as black people, we understand that, but we. If we peel back the layers, why so? Why is that in our community that we have to work harder? Why is that? That's trauma. That's racial trauma. That's that's, that's already been um, placed, planted in ourselves. That we must work twice as hard to be just as good as the next person. Okay, this philosophy is based on cultural conditioning, anthropological, anthropological assertion and live experiences of our ancestors. Now, anthropological is the study of human beings and their ancestors through time and space in relation to physical character, environmental and social relations and culture. Means us as human beings get used to those type of rhetorics and, and, and we come accustomed to it. So how do we heal from that? Well, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Now, I w- I've been long champion, so cool, as the angry black person, the angry black man. So why are you such the angry black man? And a lot of people have came up to me and challenged me about it because they say, you didn't have to go through what slaves went through, James. You didn't have to go through what civil rights movement people went through, James. You know, nobody never sick dogs on you. But, you know, I'm still so passionate about it and they, they don't understand that. Well, what they don't understand is that racism operates through oppression and exclusion to produce trauma among black people. So cool. A lot of people use the word racism and don't even know what it's about, how to use the word. <laughs> they don't they don't even know they don't know what it is. Racism is when you're trying to keep a group of people from advancing based on their color or ethnic group. That's what, so a lot of comments that people make, and I might say, I also have a podcast about that we're going to drop later on. Stay tuned for that. But yeah, it's the process by which systems and policies, actions, and attitudes create inequitable opportunities and outcome for people based on their race. Now, people get that word confused with prejudice. Now, a lot of people are prejudiced, but not necessarily racist. So post-traumatic slave syndrome is a term that was coined by a uh, researcher, Joy DeGroe, uh, uh, PhD, is you know, uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome. And, you know, I can argue that there are a lot of post-slave uh, um, um, syndromes that, that go on today. That, that happens today. And I, you know, and me and So Cool was talking about this and do it throughout the break. And I, I can make an argument that that whoopings, 
new beatings, you know, the, the, the anger that comes out of just ups, uh, obsessively beating someone is a, is a post-slave traumatic, traumatic situations. Now, of course, he feels like, you know, it works. And, and like I said, it's debatable. But is that, is, is that one of the things that come down from that syndrome? I can also make an argument that the mask on Black Wall Street was another traumatic event in American history that traumatically changed the minds of black people. When you bomb an area of successful black businesses from the air, it will make you think about doing black businesses again. Why? You're going to feel like, oh, my God, well, they're just going to they just going to tear them down. So why do we have to do that? And I think I ain't going to say I think it just from my research, I think that's where that you need a black person to have. Excuse me, you need a white person to have a business going comes from. What do you mean I need a white person? Well, yeah, just it's always good to have a white person. Yeah. Scared. That 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 traumatic syndrome. Post-slave. So cool. We took this uh, field trip at my school. And it's one of the reasons why I love my school is because they're really, really involved in the community. And we went to Selma, Alabama. And at this trip in Alabama, we marched the bridge, the bridge that uh, Martin Luther King and John Lewis marched over. In the, in the movie Selma, marched over that bridge, and, and it was a real monumental moment. So cool. But before we took the trip, this guy named J.L. Chester III, Chestnut III, came and spoke to us at our school. And he was the son of the lawyer, who was J.L. Chestnut Jr., who was actually Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, attorney during the Selma Project. Not project, but doing the Selma um, Civil Rights Movement, marching that bridge. So uh, for uh, for civil rights, of course, you know, for black people. And he told me, and I watched this with my own eyes. He said to me, he said they got it wrong in that movie Selma. Of course, Selma is the movie about Dr. Martin Luther King. He said they got it wrong. He said James, I was there. Well, he didn't say James. He was talking to the crowd, and he said I was there. I remember hiding inside of a payphone booth, witnessing people get their arms broke, their heads crack, cracked open. This is someone who saw that with their own eyes. Bloody Sunday, he was there. And he said he still, and I quote, he still jumps up late at night from the physical abuse that he saw. At that, at that traumatic event. Racial trauma. Yeah. He says it. He says, my wife says I still scream, still get jumpy over what he saw. I talked to people who was marching when it was 15 years old back in 1965 when I was there in Selma. Yeah. And they still good, they still have that 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 traumatic experience and that stain. On them. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why we get nervous when cops get behind us, even though we can be riding legit. <laughs> Everything is good on a car. 
License and registration is great. But the fact that we have that trauma in our minds, in, our, in the back of our minds, that's, that's why we, we, we get a little nervous. Long-term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, strained relationships, I'm going to say that one again, and even physical symptoms like headaches, uh, you know, can also bother you from this traumatic situations that happens that temporarily, we use that word in the first segment, that comes up. And it, see, and see, here's the thing, and we get ready to talk about this in the next segment because about are we getting help, okay? And then, you know, and the re, for, for these situations, that, that's where we lean to. How do we get help, James? Okay, we can talk about all this, but how are we getting help? But, you know, blacks have always been reluctant to get help for anything, for anything. They have been reluctant to get help for anything, and that's the reason why so cool. Blacks were reluctant to get in that vaccine, the vaccinated. Now, I'm not here to discuss the vaccination. Whether you got vaccinated, that's fine. Do I think you would die if you got the vaccinated? No, I don't. And, you know, do I agree with it? That's, 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 that's my personal opinion. Well, blacks not getting vaccinated. Whites got vaccinated. 64, 64% of whites got vaccinated when they first came out. 8% is black and the others was broke down between the other ethnicities. And the reason stating they just didn't trust it. Why? Because we have that syndrome. We have that traumatic experience. We, we, we understand that white people have been experimenting on black America's bodies since the 18th century. <laughs> we know that now. So that experience, that traumatic experience is still going down to us. You know, racial, racial, racial trauma. And I always say I could, I wish I would have lived, you know, I, I could live in my ancestors' shoes for a day. And I ain't going to front. So cool. Um, uh, we, 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 me, uh, us walking uh, uh, across that bridge, the same bridge that Dr. Martin Luther King and John Lewis marched over, you know, just going across it. I did get a sense of feeling. I didn't think I, I'm not a whole emotional person, but I, I I did get that feeling and just just understanding that I was I was walking through history. Um, uh, it, it was it was a really good thing. Now, long term negative effects of racial trauma can impact physical health. Can be uh, lack of access to adequate medical services for people of color, uh, and which can be result in systematic racism as well. Now, I will say this, too, so cool, and you probably will agree with me. You hear traumatic experiences when it comes to, uh, especially, I'm going to say racial, even in music. When you hear, well, yeah, the teacher told me I wasn't going to be nothing. Now I'm something. (laughs) You hear it all the time, don't you? Yeah, teacher never told me I was going to be something. Now I'm something. Now look at me. Ooh, yeah. It's trauma. As soon as they make it, they remember that experience of someone telling them that they couldn't. That's why you need to watch for teaching our children, but that's a whole other uh, uh, subject. Educational trauma from teachers. Yeah. Now, research shows that black children are more likely than white children to be exposed to frightening or threatening experiences. I, mean, I guess that's definitely self-explanatory. Appearing numb, vacant esteem. Now, I can go with some of these, to be honest with you. Feeling like I'm always wrong. 
feeling like I'm always wrong and then actually then not having no teachers in school. I'm not, not, I'm not about to make this about education, but then not having no one back me up to encourage me to make me feel any different. Didn't help the situation. Okay. I had a, I had a trauma. So cool. I'm going to talk about this. I had a trauma of passing the teacher's exam. One of the reasons why, honestly, I didn't get uh, certified in North Carolina. I didn't get certified to teach until I got to Georgia. Why? And I never told anyone. I was just black power James and I'm so this and that. But I was actually scared of those exams and I ran for them for a long time. Even though I was teaching at a private school, I could have took the exam and kind of taught at a public charter schools like I'm kind of doing now. But it, and I'm not blaming it on nobody else because you got at some point you got to motivate yourself. But when you have that vacant esteem, and I and I honestly remember in, in my social studies class in my early years in high school, I had a teacher and he and I actually failed civics, and you know we we just couldn't connect. And I know I liked history, but we never connect. But I realized I took his exam at the end of the school year, which he couldn't make up because it was a state exam. And I remember I got an 80 on the exam. So I'm like, hold up. I was smart enough when you can't, when, when, you, when you can't, you know, direct my attention nowhere else and we can't go back and forth. And I took the test. I was actually smart in your class, but because me and you cannot get on another level. And I remember him telling me to this day, Jim, he used to call me Jim. His name, he used to call me Jim. And he said, Jim, you're just never going to make it. And it wasn't because I was bad. No, it wasn't because I was bad. It wasn't because I was just a terrible person it's just i had all these things that we accommodate now that we just got beaten for and another thing i want to bring up real quick if you beating someone about something they come back and do it again you know i argue whether that's working or not anyways but yeah so that's that's it you know learn helplessness being feeling helpless all of that racial trauma now what constitutes strong Black people. Now, we talked about this on one of our other podcasts. What constitutes um, a strong black person? And I think when we look at what constitutes a strong black person, we look at how much they can take on, how much they can handle. Oh, she handled all this and still went to work and raised those kids. Oh, he did all of this. He had all of that on his mind and he still, you know, uh, you know, took care of his family. But, but, what about actually going to get help? A lot of black people in general, and myself, I can say is we don't like to talk to people that didn't go through what we went through or don't, don't necessarily know me. And I do want to make this uh, 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 point, too. I was talking to one child and he said that he was getting close to his uh, one of the therapists and and. and Something happened with the money and everything and something didn't go out, you know, and he was he wasn't able to see his therapist no more. So now that made him feel like, okay, well, it must not be real because of the money. If I can't pay him or the insurance run out, then he can't talk to me no more. So and I really got close to this person. That's another thing that, you know, and that's what all traumas, racial, you know, intergenerational, all of that. So what constitutes, you know, being strong? Yeah. But we gotta go to break. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, with all this trauma going on around us, how do we begin the process of healing? Well, we're gonna talk about that. Healing from trauma. 
that and more coming up on the Black Coffee Podcast. And I'm your host, James Allen. James Allen. James Allen. Ooh, that's so about this Brett Favre situation, I was so disgusted. Now, if you know what I'm talking about, Brett Favre apparently or allegedly stole money from welfare to funnel money to a, for a, a volleyball stadium for his daughter, I, I guess that's Southern Mississippi. Now, stealing money from, from Mississippi, which is the poorest state in America. In America now, not because America. he was getting over on the federal government, because he was just exercising his white privilege. His white, that's his not why I was disgusted. He, just, he was... Exercising his, his white privilege And that's just What white people do But moreover He The fact that he did that And he paid the money back As fast as he did He apparently Paid the money back But didn't pay the interest back But if you paid it back That fast My whole point about this is You have to steal it Steal it Steal it In the first place In the first place So now I want to know And the question is Is whether he's going to go to jail Whether he's going to go to jail From stealing Money, welfare money from the poorest states poor in, in America. Well, so we'll make sure we keep a, a eye out on the the Brett Favre scandal here on the Black Coffee Podcast. Here on the Black Coffee Podcast. All right, welcome back, welcome back to the Black Coffee Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, James Allen. Okay, now healing from trauma, real quick. Uh, so cool. We're gonna talk about this now. How do we heal? We talking about healing. What do we do? We always been taught to suppress. But how do we heal? We've learned to ignore mental illness with uh, terms like stress. We already talked about that. So uh, how do we heal now? I I talked about that in the last segment about how I was, how I and a lot of people are are very apprehensive about getting help and talking to people. But actuality, that is one of the best ways of actually getting over some of your trauma. In fact, talking to people, uh, connecting with friends that are able to engage well, you know, in 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 conscious conversations about whatever you're going through, whatever trauma you're going through, is actually really really um, <clears throat> helpful, helpful, and it's useful. So you know, you know, talking, talking to people, you know, maybe even if it's not just for money, or maybe if it's not for you know a therapist, but just finding one someone to to talk to. Now, statistics show that roughly 25 percent of Black Americans seek mental health care compared to 40% of white America. 25%, 40%. And I you know I'm not gonna tell no other ethnic or racial group whether they need something more than I do, but I think black people need to be talking about a lot of things that they go through. I think that's I think that's I think that's fair. So you know 25% that's really really low. Really, really low. So, and engaging in activism is another one. And when I looked at this so cool, and I looked at engaging activism, I found out that using social media to talk about some things that you go through is actually a form of helping. So, in essence, what I was getting mad about 
when it comes to my family member exposing things via social media, that was actually helping her get over her trauma that I know she has or had or have suffered from. So, in essence, I w- I'm not going to say I was wrong, but I was wrong for feeling that way. So cool. She was getting over trauma. And social media is one of the ways, you know, that, that in essence, that's what they say. Um, you know, practicing self-care, engagement activities that you enjoy, that makes you happy, is another way of healing, being heard. Now, if you're going to be heard, you want to look good. <laughs> you're going to be out there on social media talking or you're going to be talking to, to activists um, and being active in the community about whatever traumatic experience you went through. Now, this could be a range of things. Everyone is different. So from whichever one, you know, be insane, practicing that. Now, roughly 35 to 65% of people who experience a disaster return to their normal routine shortly after the event and stay there. 35 to 65%. Okay? So avoiding places, avoiding things that remind you of that traumatic experience is another way of healing and or, or staying healed of, of some sort. Uh, like, like I said, connecting with friends. And then another one I found so cool was mindful and spiritual practices. Now, I, I can't tell you who to pray to and who, who to love and, you know, all that. You know, you, you got your own thing. That ain't, that ain't what I'm here to do. But finding a ritual, finding something uh, meaningful that you do that keeps your mind, mantras, keep your mind um, focused on whatever you want to focus on to get past your traumatic experience. And, you know, you do that daily. Now, some people, you know, <clears throat> I'm just going to, let's just say weight. So, you know, they, they work on their weight and they just, they do a weight loss thing. You know, I'm just saying some different things. I'm just throwing some things for things out there. I think for me, um, so cool. I think talking to more people is what helped me with a lot of things that I've done wrong or have been, or that has been wrongly done to me. Open up and talking to people is one of the main things. And, you know, connecting with people who went to some of the traumatic experiences that I went through and talking to people that has not been to through the traumatic experiences I've been through has been helpful because you get both sides of it. You get both sides of it, okay? And, uh, of course, all, as always, giving back to a nonprofit organization there's not, or whatever, you know, alley, whatever lane of traumatic experience or whatever, because, you know, most nonprofit organizations exist because it's, it's supposed to do something meaningful to change the world in the community. That's what nonprofit organizations uh, usually stand for. So finding one to give back and just being active and promoting change is some of the ways that I've really, really found to help us, ladies and gentlemen. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, trauma, whatever you're going through, talk about it. Who are you to tell someone how to deal with something? That's what I learned by doing this. That's all for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Till next time, thank you for listening to the Black Coffee Podcast, and I am your host, James Allen. James Allen. James Allen. Peace and blessings. The Black Coffee Podcast. The Black Coffee Podcast. The Black Coffee Podcast. Yeah. The Black Coffee Podcast. Ah. Ooh, ooh, that's so cool. Ooh.
cool. So cool, you did this for me. Yeah. Black cup. Black cup. Huh. Oh, power to the people. people. Here we beat my fist. Twice the ball of what they call him. James Allen, Mr. No Assist. Elevate the masses. Step in my objective. No, no quiz. Through the pot, let's take a sip. They taking shots, we taking trips. Pilot vision, you and I a mission just to be specific. Got enough soul to not fly spirit. Got enough soul to keep y'all lifted. Follow my role and keep it spiritual. This be the ritual. Black my coffee, hold the cream. I check one, two, eight. Here we go. This is that windows down low. Turn me up. It don't matter what we talking, just as long as it's black coffee. Yeah. This is that windows down low. Turn me up. It don't matter what we talking, just as long as it's black coffee. Uh. This be that black coffee podcast. Black coffee podcast. Black coffee. Hey, hold the cream. This be that black coffee podcast. Black coffee podcast. Black coffee. Hey, hold the cream. Yeah. You and I world. Welcome to the Black Coffee Podcast. I am your host, James Allen. James Allen. The Black Coffee Podcast. Your safe haven for education and spiritual liberation. Hashtag power to the people. And long, and long live the ancestors. Hey, hold the